Well, good morning again. It is so good to be here, and I'm, I'm very happy, and I want to make a personal statement again. I'm uh, so pleased that you've given me the opportunity every summer, a uh, Sunday, <laughs> summer, <laughs> summer too, summer, every Sunday to stand in front of you and tell you a story about Jesus. Now, that's, that's my intention. Now, I hope that it's interesting enough, it'll depend on two things. It'll depend on me telling the story and you listening. But if you'll bring your friends and your family, your neighbors, anyone that would be interested or even not interested in hearing, and I'll tell them about Jesus for you, and then it'll start your conversation with them later. But I promise you that I'll, I'll tell them every Sunday about Jesus, our Savior. I'll tell a story. During, during the last week or so, several people have asked me, of my own family and different ones, well, Bill, you haven't preached in a long time. Are you anxious about it? And several of you have given me a great deal of encouragement, words of encouragement. I do appreciate that. And I want you to know that no, I, I'm not anxious. And I'm not nervous about speaking. Because I've spoken for a long time and for over 30 years. Some of you know that. But I haven't spoken in the last 20 years. But now then, I'm going to preach again and I'm going to tell the story of Jesus. And I'm excited about it. Amen. I'm extremely excited about it. I want to tell that story. And I'm, in, in, in addition to being excited about it, I'm a little bit concerned. And my concern is that I tell it right. I do not want to tell the wrong story. John 8.32 says, You shall know the truth. The truth will make you free. Amen. Now, if I don't tell you the truth, I'm going to be doing a great disservice. So I'm concerned about that. And that, that, uh, that intimidates me to a great extent. But I want to tell you a story, and I'm going to tell you a story every week. Um, our society is, is based on stories. Did you know that? We have told stories from time immemorial, from the time when, when history was just a mist and just starting out. We've told stories. And we've told stories around the fireplace. We've told stories in the streets. We've told stories in the plaza. We've always told stories and passed on information down through the years. We've told all sorts of stories. That's right. And uh, we've told new stories and we've told old stories. And that's what the text is talking about this morning. The householder that brings out of his treasure things old and new. Now, all the stories of, uh, that we tell are not always accurate. Some of them were fables and some of them were fairy tales. As a matter of fact, the, some of the most interesting stories that we've ever heard are fables. Uh, there is a, there's a story that originated in ancient Persia and involved a woman by the name of Shaharazad. Some of you, some of you know what I'm talking about. It, there was a monarch, I don't know whether he was a Shah or a Persian prince, 
but his name was Shah Riyadh. And he was married to a woman that he was deeply in love with, just one woman, which is unusual, I suppose. As the story goes, deeply in love with her, but she was unfaithful to her, to him. And so, heartbroken, he had her executed. He killed her. And he determined that that would never happen to him again. This is the fable, by the way. <laughs> I, was, I was telling this story to someone not, not long ago, and they said, was this, was this true? I said, no, it was a Persian fable. But as the story goes, as the fable goes, he then decided that he would never let that happen to him again, so he took a new virgin wife to bed every night with him, and in the morning had her executed. Well, that, that solved his problem of, of being heartbroken again. So this went on and on. He was going through virgins pretty, pretty steadily. And uh, there was, a, there was a, a young woman there by the name of Durazad, who was a sister of Shaharazad. And Shaharazad, we're told, and all of this may not be fable, but Shaharazad was told by her sister that, that, he, that the, Shad, the, Shad was, the Shah was interested in her. And so she devised a way that she could keep from being executed. Her sister warned us, warned her that she was a she was a well-read woman. She was a beautiful woman. She was a very intelligent woman. And so the first night, the, on their first wedding night, she told the Shaw a story, but she didn't finish it. You've heard this. You've heard about Sinbad the Sailor in the Seven Seven Adventures. You've heard about. Alibaba and the 40 thieves and about Aladdin and his magic lamp. These are stories she told. This is in the collection. But she didn't finish it, so he didn't execute her the next morning. This went on for 1,001 nights. That's what it's called. 1,001 Arabian nights. Until he fell in love with her. And I would like to say this. It's not part of the fable, but I would like to say this. They lived happily ever after. That's a Disney ending, isn't it? <laughs> okay. But let's just assume that, that that's what took place. She, she, she was able to spare her life and entertain him so long that he fell in love with her and canceled his, the execution. Now, I'm not going to tell you fables about Jesus. And I'm not going to tell you any cliffhangers. But I'm going to tell you that you will live happily ever after if you will follow the stories. That's what I'm going to end up telling you. Now, some have asked me, Bill, you're going to be preaching. Are you going to preach the same sermons that you used to preach before? fellow sitting in this audience heard me back in 1968 and had listened to me for a long, long time. Uh, Chip Redmond. And he said, he said, Bill, if you are you going to preach those old, old sermons again? Because if you are, I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> I said, no, I'm not. I'm not going to preach those old sermons again. <laughs> 
That's not going to happen. My sister asked me, and she's here this morning too. She said, Bill, I have got a whole collection of your sermons. We used to, we used to record my sermons and, and put them on little tapes and send them out all over the country. Well, she has a whole sack of them. I said, no, sis, I don't need those. I'm not going to preach those again. I'm not going to repeat. I'm not going to preach old sermons. I'm going to preach new sermons. And now, that's going to be interesting. In just a minute, I'm going to tell you how that's going to work. But there is plenty of material. I have plenty of material. I had to, years ago when I was preaching about Jesus here, and we were downstairs. We used to have the meal almost every Sunday. We'd have a meal downstairs. And there was a couple that came, a real wonderful couple, man and woman. His name was Al Davis. He's not, he was not the owner of the, of the uh, football team, <laughs> the Raiders. Al and Rachel Davis. And he approached me and he said, Bill, and I, preach, I was preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night. He said, aren't you going to run out of material? And I said, no, I can't run out of material. I, can't, I won't run out of material talking about Jesus. So I'm not going to run out of material. If I run out of material, then you can run me out of town. But I'm not going to run out of material. There's too much to be said about Jesus Christ and too many stories. The story of Jesus is, according to the text that we had in front of us, it's a treasure old and new. Okay? I'm holding a book that is the oldest record of civilization and of man's history with God in the world. Oldest in the world. And when we read the Old Testament in particular, and for those of who are not familiar with it, there are 39 books in the Old Testament. And there's 27 in the New. You know how to remember that? Anybody know how to remember that? Three times nine equals 27. 39 and 27. That's an easy little little way to remember how many books in the Old, how many books in the New. Well, in the Old Testament, there are five books of law, starting with Genesis uh, through Deuteronomy, and then there's, then there's the books of the history, books of the kings, books of the prophets, books of the... Books of uh, poetry and the prophets. So there's Old Testament books. And these, the, the treasure, God has hidden the treasure. And basically the treasure is Jesus Christ. Amen. And He is hidden in that Old Testament. Did you know that? Amen. Wow. When you start reading that Old Testament. Now let me just stop a minute. Maybe you've never read the Bible before in your life. So, when you read the Old Testament, you're not going to run across that treasure because you're not looking for it and you don't know it's there. And you don't know what we're talking what, what we're talking about with the treasure. But if you just read one of the books of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, let's say you read Mark. Mark has 11,000 some odd words in it. And if you read at the pace of about 200 words a minute, which is normal if you could keep from stopping and and pondering things. You could finish that in about 45 minutes. Did everybody get that math? Okay. Maybe 50 minutes. Okay. If you could read all that, then then go back and read the Old Testament and see if you can find Jesus in the Old Testament. And you probably could. He starts out very early in the Garden of Eden when God said, Let us make man in 
our image. Wow. There he is to start out with. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And that's talking about Jesus. So there's, there's part of the treasure in the old. And you see him all through the book of Psalms. You see him in the book of the prophets. You see him everywhere. You see him in the law. You see Jesus in the Old Testament. And so the Old Testament is, according to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6-8, through 8, it, it was the mystery... He was the mystery that God had concealed. And then if you read the statement in Romans chapter 16, verse 25, the New Testament is the mystery revealed. Now you see it. Then you, you didn't see it before, but now you see it. Now, let's, let's, talk about, let's not talk about things in the old. I said I'm going to be telling you new stories. New stories. Well... It's a fact from observation and the Bible that everything in this, on this earth is getting old. Anybody disagree with that? Anything getting new? Well, you may see, you may, something new may pop up that you had not seen before. But this world according to, and we have, a, we have a law. We've developed a law that tells us that. It's called the law of entropy. entropy. Oh, we had it. The law of entropy. Now, if you want to say something while I'm preaching, you go ahead and say it. And if you want to jump up and say, praise the Lord, you can do that too. I don't mind. I remember one time there was a lady that came into services and uh, into a very conservative group. And she got excited about what the preacher was saying. And she jumped up and said, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And it stunned everybody. She did it a couple more times and somebody finally eased over to her and said, Hey, what are you doing? She said, I'm praising the Lord. And he said, We don't do that in here. <laughs> well, let me tell you what. We do that in here. We do that in here. If you want to praise the Lord, you praise the Lord. Because I love that. And I love to hear it. You may wonder about me and what I'm going to do as a preacher. I, I want to talk about Jesus. And if during the week you want to talk about Jesus, don't try to reach me on Facebook. Because <laughs> I, I don't do Facebook. I, I just don't. I do my daughter's Facebook sometimes when she says, Dad, if you want to know about your grandchildren, look at this. So I'll look at her Facebook. I can email I can do that, and I can text, and I can really use the phone. So if while you're thinking about Jesus, reading His Word, you want to talk to some about him, somebody about Him, call me. Because I love to talk about Jesus, and I love to talk to you about Jesus. Well, here we are. Everything in this world is getting old. As a matter of fact, in Psalms 102, and I think it's verse 26 and 27, the Bible says that God's going to take this world and like an old garment, like an old, old clothes, old blanket, He's going to fold it up and do away with it. And the same thing is said again in Isaiah 51 and verse 6. Like a garment, He's going to fold it up. It waxes old, He says. So everything is getting old. Look at me. We're getting old. And we can't stop it. And our 
everything we have. And we, we really are not enamored with things that are old. We like new things. We don't like old things. Look in the Ecclesiastes. Here's an old boy. And I call him an old boy. I think he, I think he was a despondent old man by this time. It's Solomon. And he just wasn't sure that anything was worth anything. He thought things are just going on and getting older and nothing's changing. Nothing's going to get any better. And he said things like this. He said, verse 2, he said, vanity of vanities. He said, it's all smoke and mirrors. He said, what profit does a man have with all this labor he takes under the sun? One generation passes away and another comes. The earth abides forever. Sun comes up, sun goes down, he says. No change. Same thing. Same old, same old. Mm-hmm. Then he said, the wind goes toward the south, it turns to the north. The world's about continually, it returns again according to its circuits. The rivers run into the sea, sea's not full. It just yeah. constantly reminds This old man, was, was he was disappointed. Nothing new under the sun. That's how he concluded it. There's nothing new under the sun. However, the Bible says that God's going to make something new. But what do we say? Good. Because we don't like old things. My wife did not like hand-me-downs. Have you ever had a hand-me-down? Yes. <laughs> clothes. We like new clothes. We don't want hand-me-downs. We take them because that's all we have. We don't like second-hand things. Someone says, oh, I like second-hand things. And I'll tell you what, if you like second-hand things, you like second-hand things that are like new you don't like second-hand things or like second-hand things. You don't like old things that are old. You like old things that look new. Have you seen on TV maybe some of the... Uh, Bonnie and I watch this a lot. The uh, Barrett auctions of cars. Yep. Classical cars. Well, it's, it's, it's a big company that sells old cars. Old classical cars. But you know what? They're not selling junk. They're selling old cars that look new. They're selling something that looks... You say, well, I like the good old days. Do you really? You like the good old days when you had to haul water and, and heat it over a fire? I, I never had to do that, but we did have to heat our water on the stove and put it in the tub to take a bath. I, don't, I didn't like those good old days. I like the good, like the good days where you turn the tap on and you have hot water. We like old things that we can make new. As a matter of fact, we're, we're not really that enamored with old things. If, if we get something old, we want it in new or mint condition. Somebody says, well, how about an old coin? Yeah, old coins are good if they're in like new condition, if they're mint condition. We don't want to grow old. We, don't want, we, we, we grasp at our youth. We want to be young. We don't want to get old. Well... Let's leave off with the old. Let's talk about the new. Now, I told you a while ago that I'm going to tell you a new story about Jesus. He has a new story for us. Revelation 21, verse 5 says, Behold, I make all things new. And somebody's going to say, Well, I've heard that story before. I know all about that. It's been around for 2,000 years. Am I right? Been here for 2,000 years. What makes you think, preacher, that it's a new story? What makes you think? Why can you call it a new story? 
Well, the Bible calls it a new story. Isaiah chapter 42 at verse 9 says, The former things are passed away. Behold, I make all things new. Now, what did he mean when he said, I'll make all things new? Does it mean that it's something that you confront that you'll never see again? Is it something that is just brand sparkling new? You see it once, it's, it's old old hat to you after that? Isaiah, Isaiah 65 verse 17 says that uh, he's going to, he says, I create a new heavens and a new earth. And I began this lesson this morning with you by saying that I'm going to tell you a new story, but it depends on two things. It depends on how accurate I can tell that story, and it depends upon how you hear that story. How you hear that story. Now, the story of the cross is new when you receive it in a special way. And it's always going to be new. It will be new to you every time you read it. But you have to read it in a certain way. If you don't read it the right way, it's old hat. You've heard it before. You've heard the facts. You've seen the figures. You've seen... Well, you know, the movie industry has come out with a a story about Jesus. It tells all about him. And I think Mel Gibson was in that one. Take you down through the cross. Whenever you hear a story, and whenever you read a story, sometimes you get involved in it. Isn't that right? Have you ever had... a book or something that that you've been reading or a story you've been following and it just reaches out and grabs you by the throat and you can't let go of the story until you get to the end of it and finish the last page, you've got to get to the end? Know the outcome? Bonnie likes happily ever after. I do too at the end of the story. Well, if you you have to get caught up in the story of Jesus or it's, or it's meaningless. But even getting caught up in the story of Jesus is not what I'm talking about. We can get caught up in the story of Jesus and we can get to the foot of the cross and we can weep tears of sadness of what we've seen. And then we can be joyous when we see Him come out of the grave. We're caught up in the story. But I'm telling you, my friend, until something happens to you and you read this story in a special way, It will not be new to you. But when you start reading it in a special way, it will be new every time you open this book and read it. You know how you read that story? Mm -hmm. You open your heart. And you read this story with your heart. Intellectually, you have to get the facts right. But until you open your heart and say, Lord... Open your heart and feel the story. You say, well, what do you mean feel? Well, that's what you do with your heart, isn't it? You feel things with your heart? Sure, get the facts right. We have to get the facts right. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, Paul said. And Paul, Paul, as a matter of fact, we mentioned in class this morning, said that there are some that would pervert the gospel of Christ. They they do. It's easy to, to... to manipulate the facts. We're not talking about manipulating facts. We're not talking about just going off on your emotions and leaving the facts alone. What we're saying, however, is look at the story in its factual entirety and read it with your heart. Open your heart up 
and read the story. And when you do, you know what the Bible says? You become a new person. There's our word. A new person. It's a new story to you. And every time you read it with your heart wide open, it's going to be new and it's going to be fresh and it will be vibrant to you. Yes, we like everything new. I like everything new. I like it when, when, uh, when I feel better. I like it when I can face a new day. I like it when I, I have hope. And that's what the Bible promises when we talk about reading the Scriptures and hearing the story brand new. And you don't get the feeling unless you get it with your heart. Amen. Once the heart is open, then you, then you can hear the story. Now, that's, that's what the Bible says. And as a matter of fact, when we do that, uh, we become a new person. And the new person, the new person has a, a bright outlook of the future. A new person has a good feeling toward others. A new person is moved by the story of Jesus Christ. Now, I was asked this question last week. Somebody called our home and talked to Bonnie and asked her a question about the Holy Spirit. Bonnie said, well, let me have you talk to Bill. Maybe he can explain it. And I tried to, I did a little explaining. But let me explain it to you now. Somebody wants to know, how do I, how can I feel the effect of the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, we have to understand that the Holy Spirit impacts us through the Word. All scriptures are given by inspiration of God, breathed through the Word. So if I want the Holy Spirit to touch me, I open this book. And I begin to read the scriptures. How do I read the scriptures? I open my heart. Now some some of you here this morning have got a shield up. You said, wait a minute, I'm not gonna Don't get too close here. And that's what happened when Jesus came, remember? He said, you stopped your ears, you shut your eyes, and you have hardened your heart. I, you cannot hear. Now that's a problem, isn't it? If you go to the Bible and you open the Bible or you hear somebody talking about Jesus and you close up, you... There's nothing new in your life. That's old hat. That's what. That's the way we always do it. You can hear the story, you can you can know the story, but you don't feel the story, and you don't feel the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks through the Word, Amen. and that's where the power is. Yes. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Paul said, "I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ." Romans one, for it is the power of God. It's the power of God. You say, well, what's the power of God? And I'll tell you, last week I started this whole series out, not really a series, but just started preaching. Because I cited John 3.16. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. You know, you'll never feel the power of God until you open your heart and feel the love of God. You know that? When we had our, we had three children, three little guys. And one, 
And it still it still gets to me. I know the power of love, don't you? I can feel. If you can feel the power of God's love in reading about the Son of God, if you can feel that, you are feeling the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is touching your heart. You know that? My children. Little guys. The first time that I really felt an impact, the first time I felt a thud against my heart was when I was talking to one of my little guys and they said, Dad, I love you. You talk about power. You talk about power. I was... Uh, my real father left left home, went to World War II, and didn't come back. And uh, we had a step... My mother remarried and I had a stepfather. I left home when I was 17 years old and drove a 1947 Chevrolet to California. That's a pretty good car at that time. I left home. I had never talked to my stepfather personally. You know, we had arguments. Several years later, maybe seven or eight, nine years later, we got together. And he... He said something that hit me in the heart. He said, Bill, I love you. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt the impact of love on your heart? That's how God touches your heart. He reaches down from heaven. He sent His Son down from heaven. And He reached out and grabbed you right in the heart. And He said, Michael, I love you. And you know what? Wow, what a hit. What a hit. We have these, what, what are they called, uh, defibrillator paddles. If, you're, if your heart goes into arrhythmia, they take the paddles and get it started again. Have you, you know what? That's what you feel like when the love of God hits you in the heart. That you... You've, you've quit quivering and now you're awake again and he, he's thumped you. I love you, he said. God so loved the world. You know, imagine what Jesus felt. When he came up out of the waters of baptism from John the Baptist and the heavens opened and said, this is my beloved son, I love him. In whom I'm well pleased. He said it one more time as he was going to the cross. That's the power and that's how the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what makes things new for you in the story of the cross. That's what makes it new. Amen. When you open your heart and you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, with the heart man believes unto righteousness. With the, confession is, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. When you believe that God loves you, and that He touches you in the heart, what can you do? I want to tell you right now, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I believe He rose from the dead. And I believe He loves me. Do you? Okay. That's when you open your heart, and that's when everything gets new. He puts a spring in your step. He puts hope in your heart. He puts a rainbow on your head and He gives you peace and He gives you a new day every day. And it doesn't make any difference what happens around you. It doesn't make any difference what happens around you. 
If your heart is committed to God and He's there, He's in your heart, and He's empowering you day after day, everything to you is new and bright and good. Isn't that correct? And nothing, nothing can stop that. You, you can't get into a situation where it's not that way. When you close your heart, however, when you shut your heart and shut it off and say, No, Lord, uh, I, don't, I don't believe that. Then think, bad things are going to happen. But look in Romans chapter 8. I'm just going to read a few verses here. Romans chapter 8 says that, uh, verse 36, that is written, For your sake we are killed all the day long. We are slaughtered, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You can't get away from God's love until you slam the door. Slam that door and everything goes down. Keep the door open. Let Jesus come in. Feel the love of God. Read the Word. Feel the power of the Holy Spirit. And everything will work out. That's true, isn't it? Let me, let me give you an example how this works. What happens? Philip the eunuch was out in the desert. He'd been, he'd been to Caesarea. Now he's, he's on his way through the desert. And he runs across a man in a chariot. And the guy sitting there, he's a eunuch in, in the Queen Candace's court. He's from Ethiopia. He's got this long scroll that he's unrolling. And he's reading the book of Isaiah. He doesn't know what he's reading. He's reading the old story. The old story. And he ran across a treasure in that old story that he wasn't familiar with. And so he asked Philip, he said, who's, who's the prophet talking about? Philip recognized it and he said, well, he knew who he was talking about. He was talking about Jesus. And he began at that point, he joined himself to the chariot, and he began at that point, and he told him about Jesus. And you know what? Something happened. The eunuch, he, he, stopped, he said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here's water. What does hinder me to be baptized? He got slammed in the heart. He opened his heart. He heard about Jesus. And he said, I've, I've got to get with it. And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you can. Believe with all your heart, you can. And he said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. And he took him down and baptized him. Mm -hmm. He was born again of water and the Spirit. And he rose to walk. How? In newness of life. Thy words are spirit and they are life. Hebrews Mm 4.12 God's word is life. And it's new. It's new. All things become new when we come into Jesus Christ. It reminds me of when the first gospel sermon that was preached. I may be going over a little bit. Is it okay? (laughs) You know, if I take up 30 minutes of your time, I'm taking up about 30 hours. And I really feel responsible for that. I don't want to take up more time than than I have a right to. But but let me just finish this. 
And that is that on the day of Pentecost when Peter, Peter was preaching, he preached Jesus. And the Holy Spirit had come down and inspired him and he was preaching Jesus. And he said, you have taken this same Jesus, you have taken by wicked hands, you have crucified and slain. And it says, and they were pricked in their heart. Somebody put the paddles on their heart and turned the, turned the power on. They were pricked in their heart. They were, they were hit hard. They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what happened. Open this book. Let the Spirit come in. Open your heart. Open the book. He comes in. And the whole conclusion of it is when we get to the end, remember the story of Shaharazad and 1001 Arabian Nights? She got to the 1001 night and she stayed on. They lived happily ever after. And you know what? The end of my story is, the end of the story of Jesus is, you will live happily ever after. If you have to leave this earth soon or later, and you are you belong to Jesus Christ, you know what's going to happen? God is going to give you a new body. That's what the Bible says. It's not going to be a hand-me-down. It's not a second-hand model with the odometer turned back. It's not a refurbished model. It's going to be a brand spanking new body that will last eternally. No rust, no spots, no deterioration. That's what's waiting for those who believe in Jesus Christ. That's the end of the story. You will live happily ever after. Now, you may be in this audience this morning and say, I I need to make some changes. Well, if you do, just make your way forward in this audience as we stand and sing this song.